Hi, Steve Cooper, Rank Success, and I'm really uh, excited to be able to introduce my next podcast, and this is just a little introduction for what's coming to you. I recently uh, interviewed uh, for my podcast Assistant Chief Constable Una Jennings of Cheshire Police, and that builds upon the series of women in police police leadership blogs that I wrote recently Um, and the topics are covered in that blog series uh, which if you head over to ranksuccess.co.uk and have a look at the blog tab you will see that I've covered issues such as challenges and barriers, confidence and mindset, strengths and inspiration and enablers and solutions Uh, and that's some of the issues I wanted to talk to uh, ACC Jennings about and as the Vice President of the British Association of Women in Policing uh, she was able to explain to me that you know uh, the it's the only national organisation to embrace women of all ranks and grades with aims to raise awareness and understanding of issues affecting women in the police service and uh, building discussions around issues and providing the female perspective and to develop a professional network of officers both nationally and internationally to contribute to the professional development of others. So with that in mind, I was fortunate to be able to Uh, interview her up at Cheshire headquarters recently and we were able to discuss things like um, the importance of values so uh, she's a really inspiring individual Uh, I wrote a blog all about it as well Uh, and talking about inspiring police leadership is is something that I'm really kind of focused upon at the moment and so we were able to talk about the importance of values her experience around mentors and coaching, uh, being a role model herself for women in policing. We also talked about issues around, um, you know, promotion, career development. And, you know, because leadership is such a vast subject, I encourage aspiring promotion candidates to think about leadership in context because it helps significantly with focus. And the context is always 21st century policing. So in relation to context, Uh, the interview that I uh, conducted with uh, which is my next podcast if you want a snapshot of what inspiring police leadership looks like sounds like and feels like grab yourself a coffee sit back and listen to that one I'm quite excited about it I hope you get a lot of value from it and I look forward to you seeing it if you want to short circuit things you can always head over to ranksuccess.co.uk download yourself a digital promotion toolkit a promotion masterclass video and there's lots of free blogs YouTube videos and podcasts to get you started on your own uh, leadership development journey. Uh, I'll be back with the podcast shortly. Uh, Until then, take care and stay safe. Hi, Steve Cooper, and uh, welcome to another Rank Success uh, podcast. Thank you for tuning in and This uh, podcast essentially is building on the series of um, blogs I did recently on women in police leadership uh, in which I looked at challenges and barriers, the confidence and mindset, enablers and solutions and strengths and inspiration. So if you're unaware of those, whip across to ranksuccess.co.uk, have a look at the blogs. There's a whole load of uh, information and guidance and tips and support around uh, women in police leadership and... um, have a look at that and my guest today uh, in line and in connection with that is Assistant Chief Constable Una Jennings who happens to be the Vice President of the British Association of Women in Policing 
and uh, Una is the ACC for Cheshire Constabulary. Good afternoon, Una, and welcome. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? Thanks very much for setting aside some of your time in your busy schedule for this. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, in typical Royal Marine or former Royal Marine fashion, I turned up, what was it, three hours early for this podcast? <laughs> yes, you did. And you very kindly fitted <laughs> me in, so thank you very much. Um, okay, well, there's, there's some questions. I know your time's uh, precious, and I just wanted to go through today for the, for the benefit of listeners who are aspiring promotion candidates, uh, aspiring women in policing. And uh, those questions that I know you've seen, some of them, uh, are in line with that. So could I just kind of ask the first one, um, could you explain a little bit about what the BAWP is and its current priorities and how it supports women in policing today? BAWP is, as it describes itself, British Association of Women in Policing, and it's a national organisation that's an organisation that's set up for all ranks and grades for every woman and every person, actually, in fairness, that works within policing in the UK. And really, for me, it's an organisation that's about raising awareness, around building discussions, developing a really strong professional network, which I think we all need, regardless of gender, in policing. And then just contributing to that broader professional development of our members and, indeed, policing in general. Okay, thanks ever so much for that, and uh, that kind of sets the scene, but this is very much around your experience and your tips, your guidance for listeners. So, in, in your view, and looking back over your career and where you are now, and the zeitgeist, if you like, within policing, how things are now, what are, what are some of the barriers and issues that, that still affect um, career experiences, equality and leadership progression for women in policing? I think that's a really tricky question Steve and I think in fairness I would have to draw on my own personal experience um, as opposed to anything more generic to our broader profession. I think in my experience both personally and also of those that I have been able to encourage and support and celebrate being promoted and progressing into leadership roles within policing one of the big barriers has been for sure self-belief. I often find, um, particularly with some of my female colleagues, that they wait a long time before they self-select and put their hand up and say, yeah, me too, actually, could I be considered for? Um, certainly in my own career, um, I started off relatively slowly, um, not least because I was a single mother of a one-and-a-half-year-old child, um, and as such, I had quite significant and delightful caring responsibilities, but certainly things that for me really made my decisions to put myself forward for promotion probably slightly slower and um, maybe potentially more thoughtful because I had to think about things like shift patterns and how that would fit in with my responsibilities as a mum. And I think I continue to see some of those challenges for women that I work with uh, in policing today. COVID has changed everything um, and I think that some of the benefits from our horrific experience in the last two years have been our ability to really understand how we facilitate and encourage and support and value a more flexible working pattern and indeed balance for people in policing in particular and I think and I hope that's something that will help support other women um, and other people within my profession now 
putting themselves forward for leadership positions because I cannot think of a time in my career to date and that's a pretty low baseline given from my accent. Uh, you can tell I hail from Northern Ireland where our legitimacy and the confidence that our communities have in us as a profession has been more called into question and of course the gender conversation, the conversation against around violence against women and girls is a big part of that. So we need women leaders, we need leaders in policing to step up and really understanding the barriers to enable them to do that is going to be key to doing that well sustainably. Okay and when you say Covid's changed everything and understandably you alluded to some of those things, um, which support initiatives or good policies or working practices are in place at the moment that you know of or are being implemented and where do you believe that forces can do better? I think there are lots of things I wouldn't necessarily align them to COVID in its entirety but I think what COVID forced lots of organisations and businesses to do was think differently about how they delivered the service that they were required to deliver. I'm very proud that I and my colleagues served right throughout the pandemic on the front line, but it did give us pause for thought around how we might do things slightly differently. Um, some areas that I've seen do this well, and again, it's not necessarily context specific to COVID, would be, for example, New Zealand Police, where they have completely reformed how they are approaching who they recruit, how they retain a more diverse workforce, which appears at first glance to be very successful. That's okay, you're, you're ACC yeah. on call, and it would be unsurprising if the uh, phone call didn't ring. <laughs> I'll put it on pause. Um, okay, just, just continue and I'll edit this. Yeah, I mean, we were talking before my phone um, ride, <laughs> apologies, <laughs> um, about who I think does it well. I don't think it's an easy one. I think some of the places, the people that I see doing it well um, are sitting outside British policing, um, reference New Zealand in particular, in terms of um, a real sea change that they had in their approach. So one of the strategies that they talked about was be then do. So they really got to the nub of how they were appealing to people, how they were recruiting the right type of values driven people into policing. For example, the recruitment video, do you care enough to be a cop, really challenged some of the really strong male stereotypes that can be associated with policing and it's been viewed by nearly half the population in New Zealand as a result and that alongside a, a systemic change internally I think on face value would look to be really improving diversity for example the last three years they've increased the number of women that they are recruiting into New Zealand by police by nearly 34% Maori by nearly 23% and as I can attest to from my experience in Northern Ireland the concept of approaching this in a really mature and thoughtful way often gives you the opportunity to realise that concept of a rising tide lifting all ships. So when we took a position in Northern Ireland around addressing our lack of Catholic representation in our police service, we also addressed a chronic lack of female representation um, within policing at the same time. And I do think a lot of that is rooted and grounded in the values of the organisation, what you stand for, who you are as individuals and as a collective and how that can be seen for people as a place that they want to be identified with, that they can associate with and actually a place critically where they can belong. So I think that's the real challenge for policing. Okay, thanks. 
Thanks very much. That's very interesting. I'll, uh, I'll I'll have a look and see if I can source the link for that video and put it in with the link uh, to this this podcast. So thank you very much for that. Uh, in terms of support for you, you alluded to your 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 own career. Uh, have you been able to access um, coaching or mentoring support to develop in your career at various times, um, or or and to achieve promotions to progress through the ranks to where you are? Yes, I have. And some of my most powerful advocates, supporters, mentors, coaches, friends have been men that I've worked with in policing. Um, And I think it has proved invaluable. I could not and would not be here sitting in this lovely position of being um, a temporary ACC in Cheshire without the support and encouragement of a range of people throughout my career. I'll not embarrass anybody by naming them, but they know who they are. And they've been there to reassure me, to bounce things off, to ask advice, to sometimes um, even just give me a good metaphorical shake and tell me to get my head back on and and keep going when things haven't gone my way, which is invariably the case in life. Um, So I've been very, very lucky and uh, I've benefited immensely from it, which is why I think for me now, in the position that I'm in, that it's really important that I continue that legacy that has been given to me um, by supporting and encouraging other bright people that I work with. And it's one of the best parts of my job, actually. Brilliant. And it's very rewarding coaching and mentoring. It's nice to hear that you've had that support. And I'm sure it goes on widespread through policing. Uh, I was just interested in what it looked like other than mentoring or whether there's any formal coaching programmes you've done. Uh, I know policing is very good operationally at giving accredited training, so it's really good to hear that you've had that formal and informal mentoring support through the ranks. I think the informal mentoring, the informal learning was the most important bit. Um, Most people that I've worked with in the police tend to be quite clever people, so the technical stuff comes quite naturally to us. We can follow rules, thankfully, because we're upholding the law. We can do exams, even the multiple choice ones. Um, And uh, the the informal bit was the most important bit because actually, for me, that didn't speak to intellect, it spoke to experience and it spoke to people that had more experience than me that were willing to share their mistakes, their stories, their experiences to help me try and learn from them and hopefully not make as many or the same ones as I had the benefit of hindsight of being able to reflect on. So I think that informal mentoring, networking support for me has been the best catalyst that I have been able to access for my own promotion and development and actual resilience as well in terms of my own mental health because you do need people Mm -hmm. to bounce things off and to talk to you and have a moan to you and cry sometimes and that's been really important. Absolutely, absolutely. And that used to be done. I know that a lot of cops listening will say a lot of that used to be done in canteens and in bars. And of course, they've all gone away. You've got a great canteen downstairs. You clearly take well-being policy and there's a lot of support down uh, there on the notice boards for officers. Um, you're clearly a, a, a role model as a leader in policing. Uh, and as the vice president of BAWP, you work uh, directly and indirectly to support officers' careers. Um, some of whom listening to this may wish to follow in your footsteps. Um, are there any role models who have inspired you inside or outside of policing or inspire you now? Uh, and if so, what is it about them that you see? Yeah, I think, and and we spoke about this prior to switching the tapes on, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. about my background, my story. 
and probably the single most important role model in my life is and continues to be my mother. Um, and I am interested in and inspired by people like Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton, of course, and I could name many others. Um, but if I had to drill it back to truth, it would be my mum. And that's because for me, she is the single most courageous person that I've ever met in my life. And I suppose what I learned from her was that ability to have confidence in myself, to plant my feet in the sure and steady ground that always is the right thing to do and actually hold my nerve. And that can be really difficult in life. It can be really difficult in any professional life and it can be difficult in policing. But my view is if you don't have courage, if you don't know who you are and what you stand for, then you will most certainly come a cropper. And the mistakes that I've made in my career, and there have been many, have always come back to me not continuing to have that position on what I know to do and have the courage to see it through to the end. So, yeah, for me, my role model is probably um, a bit stereotypically my mother, but she mm. is incredible. Um, and that's who I learned from. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um that insight and uh, I was uh, lucky enough to look uh, yesterday and found your TEDx talk that you did in 2019 where you did you expand more on that and the values that are important to you in your life and you talk specifically in there uh, um, anybody listening to this I'll put the link in this blog to um, to uh, the TEDx talk by Una uh, very powerful very inspiring um, and for me the things that struck out it was a clear focus on your values and you mentioned three specifically uh, courage clarity and compassion and um, molding those into connection with communities uh, people's heads and hearts and essentially you sharing your story there as a senior police leader giving uh, members of the community the audience a snapshot into you your life your values and some of the vulnerabilities and history and where those values come from how important do you think it is as a senior leader in policing or as a senior leader in any organisation to share that part of yourself, to share those kind of details? I think it's incredibly important because actually we're social animals aren't we? And how we understand ourselves is through the stories that we tell of ourselves and I know that the most rewarding friendships I've had in my life, the most valuable professional relationships have always been predicated on being able to be honest and be vulnerable with each other and understand that unlike NASA, you know, where failure is not an option in life, in policing, not only is failure an option, it's absolutely necessary to build resilience. I had an opportunity just yesterday actually to speak with a coach um, who's helping support me through uh, my strategic command course in the next three months. And um, we were talking about characteristics and things that you think you're good at. And that was one of the things that I picked out for me, which was my resilience and my ability to be resilient. And that's based on understanding that I'm not going to get it right all the time and that I'm going to make mistakes. And if I'm doing the right thing for the right reasons, to the best of my ability, then that's going to be okay. And I think that's a really important thing for people to learn because I think often people step away from leadership roles and responsibilities who are exactly the type of people that we need to be taking off that mantle because they are afraid they're going to get it wrong. You are going to get it wrong. I've gotten it wrong. 
I still will get it wrong, I'm sure, in my career. Hopefully not too badly. Um, when my chief constable might be a bit cross, but um, I think it's really important that you recognise that you're only human, you will make mistakes, and actually build that resilience, particularly if you want to lead in policing, because you're going to need it. Okay, thank you so much. And that brings me very nicely on to, um, you know, those people that are sat here as aspiring um, constables going for sergeant or sergeants listening to this going for inspector or those that want to take the jump from inspector to chief inspector different times different periods of their career and development what 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 essential advice or tips or guidance would you offer to them uh, to those who aspire to those formal leadership positions in policing whether they're starting out or whether they're progressing i don't really feel equipped to give advice what i will do is reflect on what i think my experience has been. I think I have tried it every which way, as you do when you're moving through the ranks in policing. So I've tried being incredibly technical in my approach around presentations and interviews. I have tried just taking a very kind of legalistic approach in my early days. I think actually what works for me now best, and I think it has proven to work best for me, particularly in more senior ranks, is really knowing who I am and what I stand for and actually really connecting with why I'm in the police. It really matters to me. And I think when people interview me for promotion, I hope more importantly that when they meet me or interact with me as someone that is serving them to the best of my ability, and I include the colleagues that I work with here in Cheshire Constabulary, that they see that, they can really taste it off me and that I am really clear on what my cause is. I'm really clear on why I'm in the police. I'm really convinced that good policing changes people's lives. And I think that is absolutely critical, not just to facilitate you passing a promotion interview, but actually for you to lead well in policing. Because again, it brings you right back to that ability then to understand that actually what you are doing, what you're connecting with, the contribution you're making is critically important to people out there in the street who are depending on people like me and like you in your previous career to get it right, to help them and no one else can help them. They're really relying on that. And I think really connecting with that emotionally, understanding why I'm drawn to the police service, why I'm so convinced that it makes a difference to people's lives based on the values that I have personally held for my whole life and how those have been shaped by my experiences like everyone and then connecting that to what I contribute moving forward has been I think the key enabler of me doing well in interview and I hope doing well most days in my job wherever I've worked across three forces because I really believe it makes a difference and I think a lot of the people that I work with are convinced of that too. Okay thank you very much and can I just ask you a quick one you you, you Probably we haven't we haven't talked about this one, but just on that theme there, how have you had to adapt your approach as you've gone through the ranks? How would you summarise it from perhaps the technical kind of knowledge uh, at sergeant and inspector, and then as you move through chief inspector, superintendent, you're more into relationship building skills and that crossing what I call crossing the Rubicon yeah. kind of thing to facing outwards, working more with partnerships, building a relationship for policing with communities. How have you had to adapt? How, for people listening to this, what, what, does that, what does that look like or sound like or feel like if you're an inspector today, perhaps thinking, I'm going to go for superintendent at that juncture? How do their 
skills need to change the skill set? Um, I think, and I, I, I don't, I don't want to oversimplify it at all, Steve, but I think that that connection with values is critical, whether you choose to lead in police or whether you just choose to serve in the police at any rank. So I think that has been a golden thread that has been right throughout my progression in policing to date. I think what has changed as I've moved up through the ranks and had more responsibility um, was my awareness of how important the ability to influence and negotiate is. And they're very different things. Um, how important it is to be able to connect with people on an emotional level. How important it is to be able to articulate and weave stories that people understand and can connect with that mean something to them. So when I'm trying to work with partners, for example, in relation to developing a county-wide approach to tackling violence against women and girls, I would reflect very personally on some of the experiences of women in our county and how we might want to protect them better collectively. I would talk to them about their own personal experiences, their own value sets, what has influenced them, why they are in public service. I'm blessed because I get to work a lot with people who are very public service orientated um, outside of policing, of course, as well as within policing. And that ability to connect at a values-based level about things that matter to us emotionally as people, as mothers, as sisters, as, as husbands um, and sons, I think is a key enabler of being able to build those relationships, maintain those relationships and ultimately develop. Certainly some of the people that have supported, mentored, coached me and been a friend to me over the last number of years have not been within policing, they've been within those broader strategic partnerships. I can think of one amazing woman who I'll not mention, who's a leader of one of our local councils, who is utterly inspiring and someone who I quite regularly ask advice on policing related issues from because actually she's incredibly values driven, she's incredibly brave and she gives really good advice and I trust her and that's really, really important. So I think the difference between me going for promotion or trying to, to build that um, at, at sergeant and inspector rank is certainly my ability that I've had to develop and learn because I didn't have it, I don't think very many of us do, to really influence, negotiate and connect with people on an emotional and values based level at a quite a strategic, a strategic point um, and that's been really helpful. Okay, thanks ever so much for that. There's quite a lot there for people listening to think about. So wherever you are on the on the rank structure, there's a whole load of uh, insight there for you to pick up on and take forward as you wish. Um, there's just the one more question, Una. That I'd like. So thank you ever so much for putting this time aside today. Um, this is a, a kind of, I don't know, I'll, I'll just ask it so we go. So just thinking back to when you joined the police service and reflecting upon your career experience to date, if you could go back in time with just one little piece of guidance or encouragement to offer yourself on that day you started your career, if you could get a time machine, what would it be? I could think of so many I wish I had have taken and listened to and put into practice, more importantly. Um, I think if I had to pick out on one, it would be um, a line actually that's often used in therapy, but I think it's a really useful thing to think about for any of us at any juncture in life and in our careers, which is very simple. Is what I am doing helping or harming me? And, and in a very, very basic level, you know, I reflect back on when my grandfather, who I was very close to, 
died and I was incredibly, uh, incredibly uh, sad. Uh, he was my best friend. I really missed him and I used to sit for hours looking at the books that we had read together, photographs of him and become quite overwhelmed if I'm being honest and I suppose it's back to that question, is what I'm doing helping or harming me? And you can apply it in, in, any, in any context. Is what I'm doing helping or harming me be a good mum? I've got a, a, an 18 year old daughter now. Um, she probably would have a view on that. Is it helping me pass this exam, get that promotion? And it can apply to forgiving old family arguments, trolling through social media, even at times asking yourself, do you need that extra glass of wine? Is what I'm doing helping or harming? Because actually what it does is it puts you back into the driving street seat and it helps you focus your attention on the good things that are in your life as well as the things that you might be struggling with at any given point. And I think that's really, really important. We are incredibly adept as human beings at noticing all the threats that are out there. It was really important we did that when we lived in Neolithic Britain, probably not so much now. And I think the ability to shift my focus and ask myself that quite pointed but very simple question, is what I'm doing helping or harming what is I'm trying to achieve in this circumstance is a really, really good way of shifting towards some of the more positive things that there always are in life and actually keeping you moving forward as opposed to being stuck back and giving the confidence actually to take that next step when you need to take it, be it on uh, a promotion, be it in there a lovely new relationship, be it into buying a new house, I don't know, but it sometimes will give you that wee extra push that you need just to move things forward as opposed to staying where you are if that's not where you want to be. Thank you very much. There's certainly a lot there for people to, to think through and to reflect upon and to listen to this in, in this podcast. Uh, I'll certainly be playing it back again. And uh, I will put the links that we've alluded to and referred to in a the New Zealand video and the TEDx talk in the links to this podcast. Um, just again, finally, I appreciate you're really busy. You've created this window for me uh, to, to, to conduct this podcast. You've been very generous with your time and your staff have been very welcoming. So thank you ever so much for that. Uh, I will be back with another podcast in due course. And until then, uh, take care and stay safe.